0: On August 22nd, 2021, Hostine Cholo on Twitter said this. Hey, film Twitter, I got a question. We all know
1: red flag movies, Fight Club, The Joker, etc., that we can all spot on site. But is there any green flag movies? Movies that you hear someone say that makes you instantly trust or like a person. And that's why we're here. My book. My book.
0: What's a red flag movie? Well, Jim, a red flag movie
1: is a movie that you hear about and you see the person and you go, "Uh oh, what's this person's real
0: thoughts on this kind of stuff? So someone's like motivation. Like, why are they actually why do they actually like that film? Um, I I think I think this is a a constant discussion within uh, film Twitter. Um, and, and in real life, when people actually, you know, meet in real life, you know, when it's not COVID. Um, I, I think the 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 tweet that we've read initially talks about Fight Club and the Joker, which I think are, are classics um, of of red flag movies. What Why is the Joker a red flag movie? So the Joker is a red flag movie
1: for many reasons. Uh, the first reason I would say is that, you know, politically it's just very strange it it doesn't really make any messages or or uh have any have any real good ideas in my opinion it's kind of just there to exist kind of like you know a store uh uh, i'm gonna restart jim
0: (laughs) (laughs) i don't have a lot of formed ideas jim (laughs) I, i think i i think uh You know we can cut around but um yeah go ahead go say say what you were going to say again and so i i have a response i guess or a yeah
1: so to me when i hear the joker i instantly think that that person works at a spencer's gift shop and you know they're walking around and they're you know zoomies wear and it's just mega cringy um you know i I think that it's a red flag movie (laughs) back back what's that and they have a back room and they have a back room yeah i i think you know the joker in general is just a movie that is so uh elevated in culture for for weird reasons like you know at the end of the movie it just doesn't really make any sense like all the convicts are all the convicts and street criminals are celebrating with him and carrying him around like he's Jesus. Um, and a lot of that imagery just falls short.
0: But what, what are your thoughts? So, I mean, I, I think one element of a lot of red flag movies, um, I think this could be said about the Joker 300, um, even V for Vendetta, is that the the artist or the director or, who, or whomever made the movie, you know, has a political opinion or has a, point they want to come across and everyone misreads it or everyone misjudges it or everyone overreads it right like i I don't think fight club was supposed to be this movie about how um, masculinity is dying off in the west or whatever it's supposed to be about how masculinity is destructive right or like how you know having this like how culture and modernity is like ruining people's lives but people read it as you know uh masculinity is dying Um, so you should blow up buildings, right? Right. I don't think that's the point of the film, but people read it that way. And and that's the case with, um, I think, 300. I think Zack Snyder, the king, um, we all agree. Questionable Uh, king. Questionable king, but I don't think he was intending to make a fascist movie. No. He just likes likes hot Greek men fighting people, right? And, you know,
1: in, in a philosophical standpoint you know, a lot of, a lot of movies, uh, that are unintentional, uh, can be hijacked and turned into propaganda. Um, sure. you know, I, I know that, uh, for example, uh, this is directly stolen from, uh, foldable, uh, Fulda, what what's his name? Dan Olson, right? Um, he was talking about during his wall, Olsen, yeah. during his nostalgia critic wall review that, you know, the, the. Black Hammers were a, a neo-Nazi organization in England and they used the imagery from the wall which is directly against fascism and Thatcherism and I think that it's really uh, interesting how right. a lot of movies can kind of be hijacked by these subgroups and ran so far into their ideology and and you know pop culture
0: basically of these kinds of groups. I think i think a good example I, I mentioned earlier was uh v for vendetta which the the original graphic novel was was written as a response to thatcherism as well um it was anti-conservative um you know it's about concentration camps it's about um anti-lgbt anti you know um divergent um lifestyles and stuff that that conservatives distrusted and how they were destroyed in this future horrible dystopia england and the 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 V for Indetta mask, the, the Guy Fawkes mask that the main character V wears has been embraced by libertarians, right? Like right-wing libertarians mainly, um, people right. who eventually went on to support like Trump. Right. Um, and it's ironic because Trump has more in common with Mark Thatcher or George Bush, right? Than he does with anyone like V in the story, um, who is a champion or a defender or a avenger of all these people killed in these concentration camps by a conservative populist government, which, you know, it's a big circle. I mean, this happens though over and over again in media, though I think we have to go back to the beginning with red flag films. Some films are, are, you know, really red flag films. Like there are films that like, if you like them a lot, maybe you really should question, you know, if the person has good intentions. <laughs> right. Like, um, well, like what triumph of the will or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can go real, you know, bad. You can go back to the actual Nazi propaganda stuff, but you know, if someone comes up to me and is like, I really, really like solo, you know, I really like these like, you know, torture porn films, like, you know what? Good, good for you, but I don't know if I want to hang out with you. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and even, even more benign, Someone who's obsessed with like the Dark Knight, but doesn't totally grasp like maybe the, the implications of the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises and what their politics pretend. Right. Embrace it without thinking about it. Like those are good, well-made movies, you know, arguably, but their their message is very questionable. Where like and, something like V for Vendetta has a good message, but it just gets misconstrued.
1: And I think as a as a concept, you know, you can. You can misconstrue anything to kind of become that red flag movie. Um, And that can be any genre. One movie that I think that has kind of been spun uh, unintentionally for for quite some time now is Borat, where a lot of the like anti-Semitic tropes and things that Sacha Baron Cohen was directly trying to make fun of and point them as ridiculous turned into these, you know, cultural statements that people, you know, still probably say, say today, you know, uh, in terms of, like, you know, stupid Jews and all that. Um, I, I think I think that a red flag movie is something that is sort of a ridiculous concept, but when you talk to people and kind of open their ideas and see what they really think about these movies philosophically, then you know, there's a lot of room to be like, ooh, this person's not someone that I want to hang out with.
0: I, I think a lot of films and media that fall into this category end up being things that are malleable, things that can be you know read multiple different ways. And sometimes that actually means that's good media, right? That that's good storytelling where you can re- watch it and get a bunch of different, maybe sometimes opposing viewpoints that are portrayed fairly or, or in a way that is understandable. Like I think sometimes um, there's been a discussion about this recently um, about South Park. Yeah. I and
1: think that's a really some,
0: good example. Yeah. South Park one episode might be like super for me, right. I'm, you know, I think I'm clearly a lefty, but um, some of the episodes are incredibly like uh, they go against power. They go against the, you know, structures that, that run society and, and, and cause a lot of harm to people. And they go against that. And they're very, you know, biting about, you know, what's going on, you know, they don't they don't let the opposition go in their criticisms, but they, they they get to the bottom of it. And then sometimes you watch South Park and you can read it totally the opposite way. That is it's just cruel, it's just mean. Right? It's it's yeah, the, the comedy comedy you kind of have a dynamic between like punching up and punching down. Um Yeah, and right? I and I think certainly
1: that you have to look at it from a historical perspective of how media was created. Um, you know, even even five years ago, media has much different uh has a lot of different um angles where you know i don't think the south park team really understood a what they were talking about and b how far it could be taken even just talking about something like the man bear pig episode where you take you take these ideas i know and they apologize for it like 10 years later and you take these ideas and people just ran with them, you know, it, 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 almost, it characterized Al Gore <laughs> very effectively for the right, <laughs> you know, and, and it wasn't and it wasn't that alone. But it, it's kind of interesting. Do you do you think that the last, say, 20 years of media that's evolved alongside social media and, um, you know, like flat, platforms like Twitter and Facebook, that's kind of uh, opened the door to more
0: uh cautious creations i think sometimes but you know obviously it, sometimes people make or an, uh, projects are announced and they get unannounced within weeks because of the, the pushback right like there was a um, activist uh tv show that was being planned to be pre- for, you know premiered in a yeah. month and it was already filmed ready to go and they're going to have um you know the celebrities choose between different activist causes and, and, you know, give them money. There was a huge pushback against that, you know, it being, like, turned to a game, these really important projects that these different people are going to, you know, try to get money for, and that it shouldn't be a game, give, you know, and money shouldn't be bequeathed by celebrities to these these causes. These causes should be, you know, natural and and not be, have, like, rich benefactors pushing for them. Yeah, and, and I think...
1: and. I I think, yeah, and I think that, you know, I'm going to use the term cancel culture here, but I I think that in the last, you know, five, 10 years, the ability to have this kind of um, internet backlash or just backlash in general is so much more powerful than it used to be. I I mean, I'm sure if a movie like Borat was made today, I, I don't really know I don't really know what the perception would be of it because I, I know that Sasha Baron Cohen was not trying to be vulgar and dehumanizing. However, I feel like if he made it today,
0: I don't really know what a reception would look like. I mean, he did, right. He made a new, um, a new Borat film and it was very different. It was, it was, well, exactly. it, it was much more, yeah, it was, it punched down more. I mean, sorry, yeah. punched up more. And it attacked, you know, power. I mean, I think the original ones did too, but they were read differently. Um, yeah. And I think that is partly to do with the context of comedy at the time when they came out. Um, I think, you know, we're a week out from the uh, 20th anniversary of 9-11 and the culture in America around 2001, 2002, to 2003 was very different. Uh, this is true. Very uh very jingoistic i mean this is the same time where where south park was coming into its fullness right um this is the same time that family guy was coming into its uh cultural relevance this is right before the real explosion in superhero hero films right like spider-man 2 came out spider-man 1 came out x-men came out but this is right before um batman begins um in the beginning of like dark superhero films where they start pulling things from the culture around it from the war you know the war and terror Yeah, well, I
1: mean, certainly the Nolan uh, Batman franchise is deeply, deeply rooted in those fears and anxieties of others and just kind of like general looming threats.
0: Right. I I think I think a lot of uh, the Batman, the Nolan Batman films are a fear of uh, helplessness. Uh, being acted upon by forces that are unknowable, ununderstandable, and anarch- anarchist. Like, you know, people, Americans did not understand why, you know, we were attacked on 9 Like, there was not a comprehension. Now, if you read a few books and you talk to experts, you eventually get a conception of like the past 50 years of geopolitics and you kind of understand why it happened. But the average American in 2002, 2001 had no clue, really. Yeah. They really did not comprehend why it happened. And so they had yeah. to, to project it, right? There's no difference between Osama bin Laden and the Joker for the average American. Like they, you know, it's the same type of Yeah, it's
1: the same sort of looming existential threat where that's all that's all they really care about when they live when they live through their lives, you know? It's it's all about the next threat.
0: And the Americans wanted to be Batman.
1: Right. They didn't want to have rules. I mean, the entire point of the Dark Knight is that. There has to be some people who have no rules and can do whatever they want, because if you don't have that, then, you know,
0: everything will fail. Right. Some people have to be above the rules for the rules to actually work, which is, you know, counterintuitive and eventually contradictory. But I think it's funny, Ryan, you're basically saying that uh, the Batman is Jack Bauer. Exactly. It's 24. Um, which right. is, you know, came out the same time, right? All these things, all these cultural yeah. I mean, uh, uh, 24, out, 24
1: is way more complicated than, than the Batman series too in terms of
0: like I think it's <laughs> reflecting right. on it's clear. it. Right, it's way clearer. Like, you know, every episode, there's a bomb that's going to go off somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Jack Bauer has to break as many arms as he can to figure out how to stop the bomb. Damn the rules, damn the international law. Um, yeah. He has to do, he has to torture people. He has to go after people, mainly people of color, mainly Arab coded people. Um, and this is all, you know, happening post nine 11 when we're about to America is about to go to two war into two wars um, plus. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like all these things are all interconnected, um, you know, and they fuel the culture of the early two thousands when we were growing up, um, when we were, you know, preteens and, and teenagers, um what are what are some green green uh uh, flag films for you i don't think this is a real term but it was made up on twitter a few weeks ago yeah
1: so i mean i know this term is pretty stupid but it is interesting to think about i mean it you know if you're a film nerd you're gonna want (laughs) to just talk with people about film and kind of form your own opinions so i i think a green film is probably something that you know, when you hear that someone loves that movie, you're like, oh, wow, you're pretty into film. And you may have good opinions uh, stemming from those films and kind of formed your your either politics or worldviews from those movies, which obviously I don't recommend forming all your worldviews from movies. But as film not nerds, we kind of have, have to. <laughs> but yeah, not the films we watch in college. I, yeah, I certainly think that. uh Probably, I, I'm kind of a director guy. And I think if you follow the films of a certain directors that, in my view, have achieved sort of a, a Mount Rushmore, Pantheon status, like anyone who's like very dedicated to Kubrick films, I'm probably going to agree with them a lot on film. And I think that kind of ties into the green flag concept where, you know, it, it doesn't have to be politics and it doesn't have to be the message of the film, but just in general, If someone I know loves all of Kubrick's films, I'm probably going to want to sit down and talk to them about them, about why they like them so much. I mean, 2001 is just (laughs) is the most boring movie on Earth, but I enjoy watching it. I would never subject someone else to watch it, but I really like watching, you know, him kind of be a be a master at his work. And I think that that kind of comes into the green flag territory where if someone else does, too, that I'm like,
0: okay, this person's probably pretty cool. I think a lot of what makes a green flag film a green flag film, or at least someone who likes certain films is if they understand the nuances of the film, the good, the bad, like the politics behind it, the context of the film, why they like it. Um, and they can explain themselves, right? They don't like it because of vibes. They like it because they like certain parts of it. Like they, they like, you know, the music, they like the acting, they like the overall message of the story and they, and they can, they can articulate why, it, it, that's that that makes it easier for me to like be like okay you are, you like something because you comprehend it you understand why it's a thing um i think sometimes for movies that we've talked about that are red flag people just kind of like you know i saw it in theaters and i like the feeling of it i like the the emotions it made me feel now all film make makes you feel emotions right that, that yeah. was uh I'm, I'm a philosophy minor so that's what plato warned about art is that it makes you feel feelings that are not real um yeah and that's the problem with it um which is true uh but i, I think a green film a green flag film that me and you might really agree with is a film like children of men which i think crosses both the director uh, line and also the the artistic value of the film as like a medium piece as as an example of filmmaking
1: yeah and i, I think that children of men is a really good example kind of drawing back to my point on Kubrick, where in order to to kind of put that, you know, if I asked you your top 10 movies all time and someone just tells me Children of Men, I'm probably going to know that they have intently watched that and kind of gotten into the almost lore of that kind of movie where they understand that Alfonso Cuaron is tying in together, you know, art and history and different political concepts, all and while being... Stuff. And technical skills, all while being a, basically a summer blockbuster. I mean, it didn't perform as well right. as a summer blockbuster, but it's made in that way. And I think that that'll tell you a lot about that person where they kind of view the dystopia uh, imagery that he creates of exclusion and isolation. I, I think that that really um, kind of kind of would key you into their political uh interests and also kind of how they are as a person you can't really watch that movie and take away <laughs> take away uh I guess the you know the feelings that you should take away from that movie um should kind of last with you for a while and I think if you can list that as a top movie and you're probably good in my book
0: <laughs> right and I, I think it's actually ironic that that film has a lot in common or at least actually echoes and, and purposefully draws imagery from like the wall the pink Floyd's the wall um, right you know the scene with the, the pig floating over over the um, rich people's enclave in london um which is a direct image from from the wall um right we can talk about The Wall in a future episode um specifically because of uh recent cultural movements uh related to that album in the film related to that <laughs> we, we uh support <laughs> dougism deep lore. deep lore We we support the dougism yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we support Nostalgia Critic and in his uh, large universe that um, we have uh, deep knowledge of the dark. <laughs> we did watch uh, Kickassia. <laughs> we watched Kickassia. I watched. Um, I, I, you know, I, I was there. <laughs> I was there when the ring was not thrown into the fire. All um, right, all right, Jim.
1: So I want to pose my favorite Green Flag take or movie. And I I think this can be controversial because it's such a uh, popular or not popular, but well-known movie. So, you know, your chances of it kind of informing you about the viewer can be a little misleading sometimes, but I think that the last Jedi is probably one of the biggest green flag movies for me. And I, 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 think for several reasons, the first one is that in order to like that movie, a, you can't be a toxic Star Wars fanboy, which if you're a toxic Star Wars fanboy, you're going to be off my list immediately. <laughs> I'm not really going to want to uh, watch movies or discuss film with you if you can't get over the fact that, you know, I don't know, Yoda came back and blew up the books. Like if you're going to be that upset about it or if you're going to be upset that that there's a uh, a woman main character. Um, I, I think that, the Last Jedi, when you talk to somebody about it, you can kind of, uh, if they're a film nerd, you can kind of uh, appreciate their ability for universes to expand. And I think in that way, you know, politically, you and I are both very progressive. And I, I think that kind of almost ties back to our ideals in terms of expansion and moving on from things. While meanwhile, also- you, you may have, you know, sort of a conservative view where everyone wants the lore to be the same and unchanging and i think that that can tie into a lot of different film, film universes to me but i think the last jedi is a good example of that where it's so
0: polarizing for what it did that's also funny because that is that is a that creates a direct contradiction in in a george lucas's understanding of star wars uh you know the rhyming things rhyme Um, right that's both. it's like poetry and radical yeah no that's a both a radical and conservative position right depending on how you uh read it that things always are the same and they never change that's a very conservative position but if he meant more so things happen over and over again but you can like break it you can break that chain which i think is what the last jedi was about breaking these cycles of violence fascism whatever um it works. Unfortunately, the follow up to that film didn't break that chain and kind of reverted. And is uh, an a definite red flag movie. <laughs> it was a red flag movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't even know people if anyone liked it. Right? It was so clearly a mess. I'm sure they're out there.
1: I'm sure that they're. I'm sure that the uh, toxic Star Wars fan base would probably prefer the Rise of Skywalker over the Last Jedi.
0: Who knows? I. I mean, I. I think you have to have a misunderstanding of, of at least what, unfortunately, really what the prequels were, were about, um, which I think is the problem with the the sequels is that they're rejecting the the prequels, accepting the worst parts of the the originals and just plowing forward. And, and what the last Jedi did was try to actually reconcile both. Um, and I think it succeeded. It was hard. I mean, and the thing is interesting. A lot of the films that I consider green flag are not like, perfect films they're not like yeah and and the
1: last jedi is certainly not a perfect film like i have my issues with it but i think that the aspects of what people think about those movies and what they take away from the messaging of those movies is extremely important in determining kind of where you align with that person right
0: i I, one of my uh movies that are on my green flag list which um is not a good movie um which is a a movie that may be technically good um however has a lot of flaws as a as a structure and has a lot of criticisms to its um originality um avatar by james cameron is on my green flag list um and that's a film that is very forgettable even though it's the one of the most watched and spent you know most successful films of all time
1: Um, they opened the dang park
0: yeah it, it was a park at disney um and it has multiple sequels that have been in the works for you know what 12 years now and they're nowhere close to being done it seems um they keep pushing back the dates and they're apparently filming them sequentially but the original avatar has like a lot of like politics that are interesting and good um tucked in its uh boringness um and i feel like if you like that film and you got something from it Um, especially in that post 9-11, post-Iraq War world, um, you know, I vibe with you. I, I, you know, I get you. Um, Maybe the film's not good, but I'll watch it and be like, James Cameron, I got you. I understand where you're coming from. Because like that film is like inherently an anti-imperialist film. I think people read it as like a uh, Pocahontas or um, Dancing with Wolves kind of ripoff where, you know, sure, elements of it are, but it also is like a, a indictment against the American military, um, especially as you know, in two thousand eight, we were you know, deep in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, and the villains of Avatar are the American military fighting on behalf of corporations that are extracting a resource from a foreign place. Yeah, um,
1: I think yeah. I think Avatar, honestly, in my view, is is certainly a green flag movie when when you psychoanalyze kind of what's going on and and not call it Fern Gully, even though it is, Um, you know, I I think that it could also make the case for one of those movies that could be co-opted and turned into something else where, you know, I don't I don't know how to say this. It's kind of it's kind of hard for me to to watch Avatar sometimes because it's almost it's almost a white savior trope almost, (laughs) but it, it, it it kind of crosses that territory and that's a whole nother can of worms. But I think if you're viewing the movie from an anti-imperialist and, and, uh, uh, almost a climate change kind of perspective and, and preservation of resources, I think that that's certainly good. And I think that the main point of what we're trying to make here is, is that, you kind of still need to talk to the person about what they think about it. I don't, I think flags are flags. Right. They're not hard stops. And certainly, yes. certainly talking to someone about avatar, you know, they could just say, well, I like the 3d and
0: that's it. You know what I mean? Right. You you can, you can say you like the dark Knight rises and I go, Oh, red flag. And then they say, but I like Bane. And I'm like, Green flag. Okay. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Bane kidding. is the good um, character.
0: Bane is the main character, the good character, the good guy. Uh, Bane is Bernie. That's it. Um, except for the destroying everything, but you know.
1: Well, let's let's um, move into yeah. um, red flag
0: movies. Yeah, we talked about a few. Um, are the Marvel films red flag films? I don't think so.
1: I think they're pretty harmless. I mean, you. I think you have a much more uh, Scorsese take about the Marvel films than I do. But I view them from the point... I think... uh, Here's what I think. I think you view them from the point of a monopoly, where I view them as a kind of torch carrier for cinema. And I, I think that while they do probably overshadow the bulk majority of cinema, it is still definitely a good universe to have for cinema.
0: I think that they have individually good qualities and directors behind individual films. Overall, I think you've alluded to the conglomeration of it, the, the narrowing of it, the homogenizing of it, um, the, Standardizing of what films should look like is a tragedy, Um, and (laughs) should be punished at the Geneva Convention. Should be punished in the Hague. Um, Punish punish by by death. Just kidding. John Favreau, John Favreau was sent to the Gulag. (laughs) Um, No, okay. Uh, John, I mean, here's the thing: a lot of a lot of the Marvel films have good messages. A lot of the Marvel films have good ideas and have creative impulses behind them, and I like them uh, personally. Um, I just think the project itself is now, at this point, a um, monster that must be destroyed. Uh, but why was the bird given so much screen time? Very feeling that I have about them. Big question. Uh, the heart of this new podcast that we're starting, uh, Ryan, um, is Iron Man 2 a red flag or green flag? Oh,
1: it's a total green flag movie. Because here's the thing. You... I don't think there's a person that just watch it but (laughs) thinks it's the best movie ever but if you're like yeah I watch it almost in the same vein as how I watch The Room where it's such a disaster and unfunny but unintentionally funny I think it's actually a really fun watch if you watch it from that perspective I think it's because they just they just didn't they didn't have anything else. And uh uh who who was who was the bad
0: guy in that movie? Um Mickey Rourke. What was Mickey Rourke screwed? And why was it Mickey Rourke? <laughs> why not? I think that was the best choice, but they didn't use Mickey Rourke um, in a way that was uh effective. I think I think that they were still
1: finding their Marvel footing and they wanted to make these like sarcastic jokes i guess and mickey rourke was like let's just do the bird for like a half hour and we're gonna make
0: it a plot point maybe that'll be funny it's the it's makes some of the funniest scenes in all the Marvel. yeah World, right like it it's up there with anything guardians of the galaxy i want my bird it's I it's want comedy it. and was it's
1: comedy it. But it's not the 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 joke in itself is not funny. But it's just how unfunny it is that it's funny. You
0: know yes. what I mean? Yes. And it's funny on a more meta level. Uh, Iron Man two is the reason why Jon Favreau did not direct the Avengers. Mm. It bombed so hard. It bombed, but it, it was not the as successful as it should have been. He was apparently run out of Marvel even though he started the whole, you know, explosion of Iron Man one and he did not get the Avengers gig. Uh, he went on to make chef, which is a, a good, yeah. One. And, um, which is about his frustration with, with Iron Man two. And, um, we ended up getting Joss Whedon, which who is, you know, one of the purveyors of that, uh, my, my critique now he's in the Marvel, which is, well, now Joss Whedon, Joss Whedon could be a whole, a whole episode of this podcast, um, about his, uh, effect on, on on the world yeah um and and i think buffy to, to firefly i think we
1: should uh we should get back on track here to talk about some more green flag movies i, I think um if you like josh whedon it's a red yes flag. anything by well we like the hunters but
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> we can go into that <laughs>
1: fireflies about the confederacy continue right um you know <laughs> i i think i think wrapping these up i think the green flag movies are just uh kind of the, the elevated film culture where these movies have been put on a pedestal for whatever reasons. And, and I think that once you hear that someone likes it, you're, you're almost kind of wishing that these people like this movie for the same reasons that you do. Um, so I, I think it kind of invites discussion of like, oh, I really liked you know Blade Runner 2049. And you're like, oh, well, why did you like it? Um, not so much in the point of politically, who are you, but in the point of, I think you're just good at watching film. And I, I I think that's one of the conclusions I've, I've, I've arrived to here is it's not, it's not going to indicate your politics. Like, I don't think anyone that, well, you know, unless you're a very avid consumer of, of the, you know, progressive and, and I don't know, film media uh, I don't think anyone that watches 300 is going to be like, I'm a fascist unless you are like, whatever you can, well, we won't talk, but, but I, I would assume that your average right. viewer is not like, Oh, I really liked that movie because of, you know, how, how great the, the genes of the main characters were. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not yeah. too convinced of that.
0: We, we have no Greco nationalists. We don't have the Greco nationalists. Right. And going,
1: I, I think know, that in go. general, I, I actually honestly think that the, the green flag point is a little better than the red flag point where the red flag point can can be really misconstrued in, in kind of <laughs> what you can think about a person. But if someone likes a movie you're gonna be like, oh, okay, maybe this person is pretty cool.
0: I have a question. What is your favorite Red Flag film?
1: The best. So, if I had to pick from my thing here. Oh lord. Mm-hmm. Uh we have a list. Okay. You? Well, on our list, I got to pick from these. Uh, I wrote uh The Blind Side, Grown Ups, <laughs> American Sniper and The Rise of Skywalker. So, I don't oh. I don't think I'm really going to be oh. able to uh pick a favorite red flag movie from that list. I'll probably say that uh, you know, it's an established red flag movie that Fight Club would probably be my favorite, but in the terms of knowing why
0: it's a red flag movie. <laughs> I think for me it's all the Clint Eastwood movies, <laughs> like Gran Torino or any of them. Like they're they're all red flag films, like definitively. Um, but they're generally good. Like they're they're good, conservative Gran
1: Torino is not right. a bad movie. In my opinion, you know, it's certainly a red flag movie, but it's not, it's not a bad movie.
0: (laughs) No, and I think, I think, I think, um, Clint is a, um, a good artist who is a sketchy person sometimes, but like, you have to respect it. You have to respect it. Like, you know, you have to respect the artistry of it and his, um, passion for things. I mean, he's also passionate about chairs. Yes. This is a, this is a deep, deep, uh, deep dive, but uh lore um mid Romney roar lore no that was john mccain wasn't it
1: well if, if you if you think about it if you think about it he uh did talk to the chair that one time uh the ending of million dollar baby hit her head on a stool mm-hmm. there's something going on uh-huh. with the furniture
0: chairs did did american Sniper have any chair related
1: incidents? uh no, they didn't have anywhere to sit because they were laying on the rooftops trying to yeah. kill children.
0: He was just, he was just hanging out with that guy that 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 uh, power-drilled. Yeah, right.
1: That is Who that America is certainly you know. a red flag
0: movie. <laughs> um, I also think uh, Zero Dark Thirty and uh, you know the films by Bigelow are are good films, but they're yeah,
1: Bigelow Bigelow that. movies are certainly. Um, you know, it, it kind of is just a tying back into our main argument that, you know, you still have to talk to the person <laughs> and be like, well, what do you think about Zero Dark Thirty? Like, was it cool that right. they were torturing that dude? Because, you know, it, it, I, I think I think so many times in those types of movies and in and, and all war movies in general. I think pretty much the bulk majority of movies are anti-war. I don't think that zero dark 30 is an explicitly pro war movie. It's certainly not pro torture in its themes and scenes, but you have to make it in such a way where it's almost obvious to the viewer because I know that zero dark 30 is anti-torture and on a scale anti-war, maybe not fully anti-war considering it. It definitely tries to justify, uh, the uh war on terror by playing up the 9-11 call right at the beginning i, I certainly think that oh yeah no, it, that's emotional yeah that's that's no. that's borderline propaganda if not propaganda
0: but right. um you know yeah. I, I wonder how much military funding uh the film probably has, like probably uh, less probably. than captain yeah. marvel probably more than um captain america 2 <laughs>
1: <laughs> justin hammer is
0: we have so many topics for future, future we do episodes.
1: justin hammer uh, this is just us just talking about what we want to talk about uh justin hammer is literally the greatest marvel supervillain of all time and i really hope that they bring him back
0: the best marvel moment is when um a marvel moment and then i have a little little smile that's really scary <laughs> um is when i when uh tony stark is uh you know blown out of his own Pum v and he looks over to the bomb that's about to blow his chest up and it has his name on it
1: yeah goat moment
0: everything else in marvel went downhill <laughs> for, for me. So that that's the peak moment um you know uh it's just the first 20 minutes of iron man <laughs> and then everything else is did you gone. did you see shang chi jim not yet. And I um, you <laughs> are know, you just not going to pay curious. for it? You refuse <laughs> it? <laughs> to pay for it. I will go watch it. It's a good movie. <laughs> I will go watch. It. Um, there's a lot of good Marvel films a lot of Marvel films that um uh, try and then and then fall on their face. Like you know you have you have you have the Ragnaroks of the world, which are good, and then you have the Black Panthers, which should be good but aren't. Well, Black Panther <laughs> was Black uh, Panther was a good
1: movie, and then it just turned into CGI madness at the end, and you were like, "Dang it." And in the same vein, every other Marvel movie does that, and that's probably my biggest issue with Marvel yeah, right now.
0: Well, it's be- this is not related to anything, but you know, Marvel pre does the previs biz before they write the script, and then they write the script to match the purpose. yeah. But you know, yeah. that's the problem. That is that is the world that Joss Whedon has created. Anyway, we'll these are good. These but, are good episode ideas, to be honest. And we'll come back to this at some point. But I think, I think when it comes to Green Flag and Red Flag. Follow your heart, you know, follow your heart. And um, if anyone likes the film Braveheart or The Patriot or any Mel Gibson film, except for signs, <laughs> question them. <laughs> Ask them where they live. Ask them for their social security number. Uh, follow them home. Uh, create tracks. Yeah. Um, you know, the
1: typical stuff. And remember, guys, flags are flags, but they're not stop signs. So you can still talk to the person, even in this age.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It's a yield. It's a yield. I think that's great. Yeah. A red yield and a yeah. green yield. A yield. That's where we're going to leave it. And I
0: think, I think Ryan, all we have to say is
1: um, I think we want our bird back. We do want our bird back. And we're going to get better at getting our bird back. And our bird will be back. Is the word. The bird is the word. The bird has become the word. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. God bless. And Thank you for hanging with us during year. this time. It's a mess.
0: I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love my board. Hey.
1: Nothing's impossible.
0: How's that make you feel?
1: My Thanks for listening. I'm Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at ImpatientRyan. Check out our podcast Twitter as well at I Want My Bird Pod to get frequent updates and new episodes. Bye.